The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute provides educators access to nonfiction 9-11 resources for K-12, first-person curriculum with video, Discovering Heroes book series for kids, and a speaker's bureau with access to 9-11 first responders, survivors, and loved ones. A high-tech 83-foot tractor trailer that transforms into an interactive museum with artifacts and Russell F. Siller Memorial Scholarships for exemplary high school students of program recipients preparing for college. Never forget, donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. It is DJ, joined as always by my co-host, Kelsey. Kelsey, they call it March Madness, but it's been a lot more mad than we're used to so far. In just the last 48 hours, things have been going real wild. Yeah, it's been wild, crazy, bonkers. Light your hair on fire, ladies and gentlemen. It is just getting started, too, because uh, I don't know about you. I have my fire extinguisher. Well, I'm not going to pull it out right now, but it's right here next to me, ready for the rest of this, this month, because, I mean, we're already only, what, 10 days in, nine days in right now, and this has been one of the most insane, not just pre-NFL free season, free agency, pre-March Madness, but also NFL Combine performances we've seen so far. It's been absolutely wild as well, too, so you know what? We're not going to waste any time as well, too. We're going to get right, at, right started into the perfectly named tip-off segment that we like to start the show off, presented by Dr. Squash. Smell like a man, feel like a champion. Click the link in our bio, get all the wonderful soaps and scents. For you or the lucky person in your life as well, too, to be smelling good. So, you know what it's called? They they just released the Batman, the the Batman Enigma now. So, the Batman and the Riddler, they just, we we had the Star Wars Special Edition. Now we have the Batman Special Edition. So, Special Edition soaps. Definitely go check those out. I know I will be purchasing my own Batman Enigma as well. You mean you already have it on reserve as well, too. And don't forget that Halo as well. So, they got a little bit of something for everybody as well, too. They're out there cooking for everybody as well. So, we're going to the tip-off, the tip-off properly named because we're talking basketball. Not NBA basketball, but March Madness right on the horizon as well, too. We got some of the some of the teams fighting for their conference championships. And Kelsey, looking at the top 10 poll, um, there's, not, there's not a whole lot of a variety right there as well. Too. Like the top eight in both the coaches and the AP poll are virtually identical. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it, it, unlike earlier this season where we had like Auburn ranked one and Gonzaga was ranked one and the other, it's been been pretty similar since Auburn got knocked down and they went on a losing streak, so everything else is pretty much stayed the same. Um, I think the biggest difference is kind of where people rank Duke at, where they rank Kansas at, is really seeming to be the, th- the difference. But even then, it's like, are they ranked five? Are they ranked six? It's not like, are they ranked two? Are they ranked three anymore? The top four seem to be pretty steady right now. It definitely seems like that as well, too, for those of you who haven't seen. right As of right now, at the time of this recording, the top ten for both has Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, Auburn for the top four, then Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, and Villanova through eight. 
Then 9 through 11, it gets goofy. For example, the top 25 has Tennessee and Purdue tied at 9 with Providence at 11, where the coaches have Purdue at 9, Providence at 10, and Tennessee at 11 as well, too. So depending on how these conference uh, championships play, we could definitely have a little bit of moving and shucking and driving, but I got to imagine those top four teams, barring some sort of ridiculous collapse or explosion, we're going to see those top four teams are probably going to be the number one seeds when we head into March Madness. Oh, very likely. Yeah, it, it's very interesting to look at this, though, because look at the top four. Baylor has like opponents with Auburn, has a worse record than Auburn, and they've lost to the opponents Auburn swept. Um, so it's a very interesting aspect to look at, like, a team who has a more losses than the other, but because they play in a better basketball conference, gets that that higher ranking. And, and we'll be completely fair. Auburn deserves their top four ranking. They don't deserve anything higher than four, though, in my opinion. As an Auburn fan, it has been rough, uh, to say the least. Like, this last two weeks, you can't lose at the end of the season. It's been, been you know, the big thing. Absolutely as well, too. What's interesting, you pointed all that out as well, too. Baylor actually has first place votes in both of them as well, too. Like in the AP, they have three first place votes and they have two in the coaches' poll. And Auburn has one first place vote in the coaches' poll, but none in the AP poll. So it's definitely, it's almost what have you done for me lately? And I guess Auburn went on their streak at just the wrong time as well, too. But it does look like, barring, I, I can't even imagine the situation, but Gonzaga is probably going to be the number one seed overall seed yet again, not undefeated this time as well, too. So maybe a little bit of pressure off of their backs after what they had to go through last season as well, too. One thing that is interesting to me, it's not the number one seeds, but looking down in that nine through in that nine ish area, Purdue's an interesting team for me when I look at them. Because a lot of people you would talk to them, they either absolutely loved Purdue, they were all in on the boilermakers, that 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 engine choo choo is choo chewing its way straight to, to the championship, or they're overrated, they're trash, they're gonna be a they're gonna be a three seed that gets knocked down in the first round. Like there is no in between with them <laughs> right now. They're the highest ranked team in the Big Ten as well, too. Granted, weirdly enough, they're not at the top of the Big Ten standings because of their in-conference record. They're actually sitting at third, but the highest-ranked team overall, kind of goofy how that is. They have not; they've only lost in the Big Ten. Have not lost out of conference, but I feel like they're they will either be a number two seed and get destroyed, or they'll somehow end up in a number three and maybe even make a run to the Final Four as well. Too. Like, they seem to be the the enigma team out of the top ten when I look at them. Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, I feel like a lot of their their ranking is going to be based on how they perform in the Big Ten championship game or in the Big Ten tournament period uh if they get bounced early which which they, they have the complete possibility to well i say early for them which is still round three of the big 10 tournament but mm -hmm. like if they get bounced there that, that's not going to look good for purdue they might drop to a five seed really if if where they're at right now right now they're set up to be a three seed uh but they could easily drop in that big 10 you, you like you said their only losses have come in the big 10 but that's not good when you're talking about you know rankings when the conference championships are coming up when the conference tournament's coming up because you look at the top right there four and five right now auburn kentucky they're gonna right now they're they're scheduled to meet each other in the championship game if all plays out and that could decide who that one seed's gonna be there from the sec then you have tennessee that can possibly make an upset in that and but like in the big 10 you have purdue and then there's it's a good drop before you have your next big 10 team but the problem is an automatic bid gives you so much extra weight in in rankings sometimes that like if a team who is a 12th ranked team right now, or let's say the next, next big 10 team right there is Wisconsin at 12. And let's say they take the, they take the tournament and they take it overwhelmingly strong. Like they wipe the floor with some, everybody on the way to, way to the championship. You're looking at potentially them sneaking into a, a, that three seed and, and, you know, Purdue, like I said, dropping to a five and well, who knows from there? I mean, this is conference tournament time is, is fun. But it's like also one of those weird things, like how much weight does a, does each conference give to their tournament? And like the SEC, this one plays a little bit of a part. The Big Ten always is a, a strong tournament. The Big East is always a strong tournament. The ACC, 
a very fun tournament always. Uh, yeah, that one's always entertaining. But like the Pac-12 tournament, not as weighty as some of the other ones. Not at all. Looking at the Big Ten, too. Last year, the Big Ten was all of these Goliaths. There was like, what, nine deep that at one point were in the top yeah. ten at one point, too. They all got bounced relatively early for the most part as well, too, because they beat the heck out of each other so much throughout the year. Right now, it feels like it's Purdue. Then there's the Illini in Wisconsin not too far behind. I mean, like Ohio State and Iowa are kind of on the outside looking in, but could still depend on how their Big Ten goes. But it's not the same Big Ten as it was last year, but it's still, as you mentioned, an incredibly tough tournament for Purdue to get a ranking that they want. They're going to have to at least get to the conference championship, in my opinion. Maybe they lose it and you can still get a little bit of leeway, but if they get bounced in one of the first, second, if they don't get to the championship, they're, they're in danger as well, too. You can see another team squeak by. The SEC, you mentioned to a T as well, too. It feels like it's clearly Auburn and Kentucky. You mentioned Tennessee and not far behind as well, too. My thought is, if Tennessee wins the whole thing, say they beat Kentucky and Auburn on the way there as well, too, could that propel Tennessee into maybe a number one seed or maybe just on the outside looking in as a high number two? That is an interesting thought as well. With how weird this season has been, I would not be surprised in the least. Um, but with that said, I mean, you're looking at they'd have to hop, what, six teams to get into the top Top five, I mean, four. since then they're tied at nine in the AP, it's five, six teams, I mean, give or take. The Big East, I don't think you really have to worry about it if you're Villanova. Um, I mean, but then again, you talk about a tournament that surprises people. That's always the Big East. The ACC, I feel like you're safe with Duke right now. Kansas, I feel like you're safe with Big 12. And I feel like Duke's safe only for no other reason than his Coach K's last season. Like, there's no way Coach K does not win his last ACC tournament. Grant, he, didn't he did lose his last ever regular season game as well, too, which is kind of disappointing. And the ranking show is in the coach pool, they dropped five spots and dropped three in the AP, which I'm not surprised they dropped it. I was surprised that the, all the ranks were like, nope. To, usually you'd see Duke's one that's hard to move them unless they have like an epic collapse or a huge loss, if that makes sense. I'm surprised yeah. that they move so many spots. You know, They're like one of those, almost like how Alabama is in football. If they lose one close game to a good team, they'll only drop like one spot. They'll still somehow be in the playoff until you cut the head and the back of the snake off. For Duke, they actually made them take a dip and put them in a position to maybe end up being a three seed, depending on how the ACC tournament plays out or how others perform as well. So that is very interesting looking at as well. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, now there, we I got to go away from some of these power conferences right now, and we got to talk about some kind of something that has never happened in the history of the NCAA, and that's Bellarmine. If you guys <laughs> don't know who Bellarmine is, they are the team that never dribbles on offense. That's their, that's their claim to fame. If you guys don't believe me, it is literally – an article written about them by SI. I mean, their their offense is so fluid. It's all passing. It's all motion offense. Nobody stands still on their offense unless they're up by 12, which I learned last night. Uh, that was the only time somebody stood still. And let me tell you, he got reamed by the coach uh, when he stood still. So it does happen, but it, it, it's an instant benching. But this team, in their second season of D1 basketball, wins the A-Sun Conference. Automatic bid conference. You win your tournament, you're in. They win their tournament, they don't get a go. And if anybody's wondering why, the ruling is you're you're four years, you have four year period, basically a probation period from the time you transfer up from D two to D one that you cannot compete in postseason tournaments. And DJ, I want to ask you this question: Should a team who is moving up be penalized with lack of postseason play? I'm going to put this in the most politically correct thing I can, politically correct way I can. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. At no point during their incoherent rambling when they made that rule were they close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. I award them no points and may God have mercy on their soul. 
<laughs> How did you come up with this? You move up and you are automatically on probation for four seasons. If you move down, I could see maybe a season or two just to kind of get the recruit acclimated that thing as well to get the division one, like the athlete transition, if that makes sense. You're going up and being penalized for it as well, too. Maybe one season, if even that, when you go up. But even that, I think, is kind of a little bit weird. It's because you were so, usually because you were so dominant or you're starting to get like that influx of D1 athletes as well, too, to get to that point. So I just think this is absolutely asinine and it takes away from these heroics. This tagline that, if, for those who watch the stream, is perfect. Heroics thwarted. You're taking away everything they work for. And the losing team is the one that gets to celebrate at the end, really. I mean, I. I know they stormed the court. It's like it, like Bellarmine is the victor, but the real the one who walks away. Like they won the battle, but the second place wins the war. It's absolutely well, it's insane to me. So the team that actually gets to go from the A Sun is the regular season champion. That's so what, Jacksonville yeah. State, not yeah. Jacksonville, who they played in the tournament. Which is this is the whole funny part about Jacksonville or Jacksonville University, who they played in the championship, beat Jacksonville State to get to the tournament championship against Bellarmine. So they beat their in city rival. To lose to Bellarmine and then watch their in-city rival, who they just beat in the tournament, then go to the tournament. So this is even—it gets even crazier. Where the team who did the did the work to get to the championship, knowing the rules, still doesn't get to go, even though the team that they that got they got beaten by is ineligible. They have to watch then their their rivals, who all they did was win the regular season. And let's be completely honest, regular season basketball—it's kind of wishy-washy whether it's competition level. Postseason basketball is top competition at all times. I'm literally trying to think of any other comparison, like how you can make this across four. It's like maybe you get to the Super Bowl, one team has an outrageous like steroid thing afterwards, but because they won the other, they won the Super Bowl like 50 to five. You can't make the runner up the the Super Bowl champ, so you just randomly award it to like the, the random third place seat or something like that. That gave them a good fight. I, this feels like a participation trophy that comes with the win with a winners with Here a winners. Here, here's here's the best comparison I have. Two teams make, let's say a seven seed makes the Super Bowl against a one seed. Then that seven seed team has a COVID outbreak the week of the Super Bowl due to none of their fault, but it happens during media day. So they then have to replace that team. Well, they don't replace them with the, the championship loser. They don't replace them with the divisional loser they beat. They replace them with the number one overall seed from that conference going into that game. That's really what it is. Like the regular season number one conf- number one in the conference is who they replace in that Super Bowl. That's like that, that would be what they would do. Like it's this weird. is the dumbest rule I've ever heard from a lot of cases. Like it's not a competitive even evening out. That you're you're coming from D two with D two recruits. The guy who was the leading scorer has been at that school for four five years, and his best game was this championship game where he scores twenty seven points. That's his best ever performance in the championship game, leading his team to their first ever conference title in the A Sun. But he gets thrown aside because he spent three out of his five years in D2. But they have that postseason. It's The postseason man is the dumbest thing I've ever seen for teams moving up. I really like this whole thing when they said that out loud. I instantly lost so much interest in the in the game at that point in time because this is it was just so disappointing. You should be rewarded for going. I'm not punished yeah. as well, too. And that, that, it's absolutely blasphemous to me. Before we jump into our next time, I do want to point out one thing that I just I just looked at the standings today, and it kind of just had my heart sink a little bit. A prestigious program with a very unprestigious season. I'm looking at Georgetown right now as well, too. Oh, a team that a lot of people, they're very, very familiar with as well, too. I mean, you got Allen Iverson, Patrick Ewing. Like you can go back and just the, the lures of basketball history. 0-19 in conference this year, and only 6-24 of overall. That one, 
I knew they weren't very good this year, but just seeing that actually in numbers just just kind of made my heart sink a little bit as well too. From the era that when we watched Georgetown was a premier school and they used to be basically the the center you, if that makes sense as well too. Like they were the for big guys, that's where you went. And now it just kind of hurts to see that as well. Too. That, that one just made my heart sink a little bit. Well, not just center you. I mean, think about some of the great players we've seen out of Georgetown. You know, you look at AI being coming out of coming out of there. You look at Patrick Ewing, who, by the way, coaching there and, and doing as poor as he's done. Now, interesting enough, though, last time they finished the season this poorly in, rec- in, in conference, they did make the tournament by sweeping the their conference tournament. I don't know if they can do it again this year. I don't think they can. But they did it before, and that was the pre-COVID season. So it's possible they could do it again. I, I highly doubt it, but it is completely possible that all, in all things that exist in basketball, you play the game for a reason. It's not one on paper, so I don't think it'll happen. But at the same time, it's worth mentioning that the last time it, it, it did happen, so we'll see. If you're into sports betting, maybe drop a dollar on that just to see if maybe some random things fall your way as well, too. And I want to go back to your analogy really quickly. You talked about how in the Super Bowl, it's like that seven seed gets there. They get, to, they get taken out and put in with the number one seed from the regular season. That might be the only way that we see Aaron Rodgers make a Super Bowl the way things have been go- going recently as well, too, which is going to take us into our next. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Segment known as the main event presented by ColorCast, the premier app for sports audio as far as talk shows, live casts, anything you want, you can find it on there. Definitely download it now. They got a new massive update coming up as well, too, so keep an eye out for that as well, too. And Kelsey, uh, holy moly, holy moly, holy moly. The NFL offseason hasn't even started yet, and it's already going absolutely ballistic. As soon as the combine finishes, all the big parts and pieces start moving, and it seems like the NFL has been acting up here for the last 42, 48 to 72 hours, and we're not even, and we haven't even, we're not even fully done yet. Dude, the, I, this has been crazy. I've, I, I've honestly, I've been tuned to my phone just because I've been watching just whatever the next move is, and I want to start with the one you just let in here with the spiciest of spicy takes here. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, with the mega deal of all mega deals for a man who is literally approaching 40 years old, and he will be 40 by be 42 by the end of his contract. Absolutely. Signs a four-year, two hundred million dollars, reportedly one hundred and thirty-five million of it guaranteed. Reportedly, uh, it was the updated number today that that was released. Again, Aaron Rodgers came out to say, "Well, those numbers aren't right." Bullcrap, Aaron. Hmm. Bullcrap. You know this is this is as close. This is the only way you were saying in Green Bay is if they gave you literally house and home. Like, oh, they gave you the house, the home, the river, the state, and the key, and all, and the cheese key to the city too. I think he, I think he got part ownership of one, of one of the lakes, if I'm not mistaken, as well at this point in time. Like, this is an insane deal. And I, f- first of all, Green Bay, I I thought he was going to stay with Green Bay all season uh, in the offseason. I let's just look. We both did. We both thought he was going to stay there in Green Bay. It would be very rare to see him leave. But did I mean I didn't think this was going to be the deal. I thought it was like maybe one year, forty million. But like, but- <laughs> what? He's retiring. There's basically what they're saying as well, too. Like, unless he somehow pulls a 45, but I can't really see that necessarily happening. Play until like he's 45, 46, something like that. But so basically, he's going to retire at Packer, which cool to see. I like it. I like seeing him finish out in the back end of his career as well, too, with the team that drafted him. He gets to stay full homegrown, 
and that they're franchising Devonte Adams on top of it. So you, he gets to keep his one weapon that he likes to throw to it to, to a fault almost to a point. So it's good on the Packers. I mean, he's a back-to-back MVP, so it's not like they're signing for what he's done, if that makes sense. They're signing for what he still can blatantly do. You're not going to get much better than Aaron Rodgers at this point. Like, there's, what, maybe three quarterbacks you take over him at this point, three to five, if even that, when you factor in age. And yeah. for one season, there's maybe two, if that. And I'm stretching for that. So I, it makes sense for Green Bay. It's great to see See as well, too. I they got to figure out how to get over that postseason little the hump they haven't been able to get over recently, as well. Too, I made a little bit of a joke about coming into this one, but last year's loss that was, you can't only score 10 points when you have all the momentum like that. The year before, just sputtering as well, too. They got to find a way to take that extra step. So, I'm curious if the mega deal, how it's going to hurt them. So, obviously, Zadarius Smith's not coming back. There's no way in heck that's happening. There's not enough money for that. You're yeah. franchising Devontae Adams, so that's a we that's a chime that's a rip of money there, as well. Too, you just paid Aaron Jones last year, like. Where's this money coming from? How are you maneuvering this for the salary cap? Now, obviously, the salary cap is kind of like the tooth fairy, and it's just a myth. But it's I'm curious how they're going to find a way to make this work. Yeah, and uh, I do have to go to our comments real fast. And uh, somebody did ask on Belly Up TV right now, uh, Russell to Denver. And we're going to get to that one in a minute. But then also, some, uh, RJ is dropping in. They won't be able to afford to win. And, DJ, that's to your point. You, you don't be able – you're not able to bring anybody back. You're not able to – to really play out in free agency, Aaron Jones, if he's going to resign, is going to have to take a pay cut. Like, I mean, a pay cut, a pay cut. Uh, Boxiari, like, if they're going to, what are they going to do with Boxiari? Because didn't he just, isn't he on a one year deal now? I think like, he has a couple years. So I think they recently resigned him. So I think he's still under contract. But I think they're going to have to pull the Saints and start restruct doing some random restructures that make no sense. But somehow are, end up with thirty million. Are we going to see a four year, twenty million non guaranteed uh, or hundred million non guaranteed contract yet again, or eighty million non guaranteed like we saw with Taysom Hill? this is is ridiculous like whatever legal gymnastics these guys are able to play to stay within the the salary cap with these type of numbers is insane i'm watching these type of deals and i'm like oh so they just got taken over by an oil chic like they did in 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 the epl like what they do in in the premier league with soccer like that's those are the deals i see in soccer those aren't the deals i see in the nfl where aaron Rodgers is like yeah i'm almost 40 you know I guess now's the time to set a record for most money in a year if he makes his total 50 million a year even with patty signing his life away for mm-hmm. whatever that was like I, dude this is insane i'm i know green bay is a storied franchise but it's time like i feel like it was time to walk the dog with this one and just just let him send him out to pasture like hey. Back-to-back MVPs. I mean, he's he's he can still cook a little bit. He's limited, and I, my concern is that he's been a little banged up recently as well, too. Like last year's banged up, a couple years ago banged up. Like those injury concerns that it doesn't, doesn't get easier to get up and move and run away from Daniel Hunter and squat as you get older. I mean, I feel I hear at least an accordion of cracks every time I get out of bed. So I can only imagine what it's like for him at 40 as well, too. So we're also going to talk about some other parts of this deal as well, too, is what does that mean with Jordan Love? We're going to get to that in a little bit, but we want to get to some of these other deals really quickly as well, too. And you alluded to it. Let's go and jump on to the next one. Russell Wilson, the muscle Russell himself, is going to the Mile High Club and joining the Denver Broncos as well, too, leaving Seattle after a decade of a decade of work and a Super Bowl championship. So uh, what, do you, what do you think, Kels? I'm going to let you go to this one as well, too, because you, you got some outspoken thoughts on Russell Wilson. Of all the places I had Russell Wilson going to, this was the dead last on my <laughs> list. And the reason why is because Sierra. I, I did not see Sierra as a Denver person, uh, period. And, and that's nothing. It's because you look at it, she's a high-profile superstar in her own right. 
why is she going to Denver? I, I like. I'm sorry. This is no longer about Russell. This is purely about Sierra. Why is Sierra being relegated to going to Denver of all places? Nothing against Denver. I love Denver as a person, but I'm also not worth three hundred million dollars. It's like, like a lateral is. move from Seattle. It's not like going up in that. It's like going to a yeah. big California, New York, or something like that. Feel or a Florida, bigger Florida team. It's like a lateral move as far as like media availability type thing. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. It's a it's it's technically considered a small market, which is not. It's fifteenth out of like it's yeah. it's not a, yeah. It's not a small market by any means, but it's you know everybody and their mom is like, oh, Denver's a small. No, it's not. Okay, let's get that out of the way. But <laughs> it, it is. It's just very interesting to see like Denver. Wow. Uh, like that's all. That's that was my first thought when I saw this come across my screen because I just couldn't believe it. I like I'm like Russell. I couldn't believe Russell going. Secondly. I think Russell's still going to be a bottom 10 quarterback in the league because you trade away Noah Fant. Who he wasn't going to throw to anyway. Yeah, okay, fair enough. He's not throwing to him. But then you also cut Deshaun Hamilton, who I think was a fantastic receiver in his time there. 800 yards, double-digit touchdowns, gave you all all he could before injury. The problem is everybody else on that team receiver-wise is injured. You have Jerry Judy, who injured this season off and on. You have your Kobe Kobe Hamilton, if he's even going to play, is is not even there like half the time like he plays one game a season um tim patrick is usually your number one because he's the only one that can stay healthy enough and i'm sorry i love tim patrick but tim patrick's not a number one wide receiver mm-hmm. in the nfl and then what you you hope and pray Cortland sutton can can stay healthy for longer than eight games and that's still you have two receivers at that point in time you have a melvin gordon who still might leave in the offseason in, in the free agent market like i'm shocked this is where russell went let me just, like, I just cannot believe this is where Russell went of all the places. He could have gone so many other places and agreed to go there. Let's just be that clear about it. Agreed to go there. He agreed to go to Denver today. That agreement did come. But he could have agreed to gone to so many other places that have actual weapons in, in place. And this one shocked me to my core. When I was looking at this, too, I, I agree with you with the receivers. Corlin Sutton is really nice. He's the number one when he's healthy and has a quarterback who could throw the ball. Jerry Judy, I just don't know. We have not really seen him do a whole lot. Part of it's injury, and part of it has been who's throwing him the ball because they have not been able to really get – they have not been able to get a passing game going. Tim Patrick, nice. KJ Hamler went healthy. He's an absolute burner, and he's pretty nice. I like Snow Fan, but that doesn't matter for Russell. He's not a throw-it-over-the-middle guy anyway, so it doesn't matter. I like Javante Williams, the young running back who's going to take over right now as well, too. I like him. The defense has a lot of really good pieces, and it sounds like Von Miller might actually be coming back as well, too. So talk about a fleece of a deal for Denver. You get a bunch of second – you turn – Basically, you get Von Miller back, and all you have to get, and you get Russell Wilson for basically a one and a and a three because those second rounders were ones you got from the Rams anyway. What's that? With Shelby Harris. Shelby Harris has like six sacks in a career season, though. Like he's good, he's quality. He but was he was the top d- pass rusher on the team last year. That was a bad pass rushing team last year. That's why. Yeah, like, I'm I know. Saying, I'm just saying, but like you still lost your best pass rusher. And but if you get Von Miller back, it balances it out as well too. So we might actually finally get to see Von Miller and Bradley Chubb healthy and playing together for the first time since they were drafted. So we'll see how that works out. They have good pieces. I think the biggest factor for him was that pass blocking offensive line is underratedly really good. They ranked 11th in pass blocking as well too. So not a leap, but significantly better than what you're getting in Seattle. But my concern too is a lot of that was Russell's fault as well too. Is he's as outstanding as he is. He holds the ball and looks for deep shots downfield on third and seven, as opposed to taking the five yard route as well. Because he's a he's a bombs away guy, and he's not quite as he's not quite like how the pig with the grease on you have to try and chase and you can't catch it, like or the chicken with the grease on from Rocky. He used to be able to be that in the backfield, no one could touch him. 
Now he's not quite as able to do that. He still has his absolutely fantastic moments. September Russell Wilson, I joked about on our fourth and four show, is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time when it comes to September Russell Wilson. If he can elongate that a little bit, I think Denver's clearly better with him. I just don't know if they're how much better they are in that division when you have to deal with an ascending Chargers team with a young Herbert and all the – I think their weapons are better across the board. Kansas City is still Kansas City. Even though they kind of took a poop last year in certain spots, they are still absolutely loaded. The Raiders are still weirdly right there in a way you can't really count them out as well, too, depending on what they do. So makes them better. You have to do something to compete in this division. You're, you, I'm, I'm torn on it as well, too. I, I need to see it before I make a full judgment, which is easy to say as well, too. I've, and you gave up Noah Fant. I don't like that. You gave up Drew Locke, who you didn't believe in any way. He was pretty much gone no matter what. You gave up what two ones and two twos and a, like a three, it looks like, as well, too, and swapped a four. So a lot of those picks were ones you've gotten the Von Miller trade it weirdly enough as it is so yeah. i don't hate the move it just kind of it feels kind of interesting i'm curious to see it. maybe maybe russell's reborn behind this offensive line and we see him throwing slants and checkdowns again for the first time i, I don't know i'm really curious to see how it works and i think the defense is going to be an upgrade because seattle's defense the last couple of years has been kind of disappointing like they have not been they've not been up to par the trade for jamal adams has not really panned out he's a kamikaze but at the same time the ball hits him in the face bobby wagner who they also the seattle also released shockingly on top of that as well too it, it works, I guess. We'll have to wait and see. I'm curious to see how Russell blends in with that team as well because I could see them somehow taking that, winning that division if everything clicks, but I can see them fighting for that, fighting to just not be the seller dweller, like 8, 9, 7, and 10, something like that. It just, just depend on how things mesh. Russell's going to have to – he's not going to be able to bomb away DK or Tyler Lockett out there somewhere. That like Cortland Sutton and those guys are really good, but they're not quite like that. Yeah, and, and I think that's the big part of this is like when I purely – look. I, first of all, let me go back to your point about the offensive line. Offensive line for Denver is a fantastic position right now. Quinn Miners hmm. is the future guard of the future for that team, and he belongs there and deserves it, deservedly so. And I called that one, and I'm going to keep coming back to it because he is my poster boy for calling it in the NBA or in the NFL draft. And anyways, the, Russell will love having him in front of him. The problem is going to be, can this offensive line, who's used to a three- to five-step drop to get rid of it, deal with a seven to nine step drop pump pump tap tap pump pump scramble around a little bit throw the ball like can you block for that long and and the answer is no no offensive line can block for that long even the best russell wilson offensive lines couldn't block for that long and you know that's a big part of it but then you also take away dk who is a freak of nature and there's no question about it and his and then the mental acuity of Tyler Lockett because I'm sorry I have not seen a receiver and a quarterback have that type of connection on a deep option route time and time again and be successful for their entire careers even though they didn't throw the ball Tyler Lockett last year when they did it it was successful it's like how is Russell gonna look with those guys and I go back to his transition to NC State in Wisconsin I know it's college I know it's a different Russell he didn't have the weapons at either location. He has about the equivalent weapons that he does now in Denver. And his passing numbers were not great. His motion, his throwing ability, those were all outstanding. But his passing numbers were not great. And I worry that this move to Denver is going to be the similar thing where he's just he just doesn't have the weapons to help him out. He's going to have the offensive line to help him out. But he doesn't have the weapons as far as receivers go right now to help him out because we haven't seen them. And maybe I'll eat my words. Maybe Jerry Judy comes out and shows us that he is that guy. But I've yet to see it from – I'm thinking Jerry Judy is that one Alabama receiver we kind of forget about. 
every four if, years. If uh, Jerry Judy can be kind of the prospect he's expected to come out, he's arguably receiver one in that class coming out. If you get that from him and he's able to take that like third-year emergence with Cortland Sutton able to be healthy, then we might have something cooking at Mile High. Russell, Russell might be cooking something on that Mile High Club airplane as well. So we'll definitely have to see how that one goes. But his, deep ball's gonna, his deep ball is going to love my uh, love throwing it up in Denver, though, by the way. He might travel 75 yards. Exactly. And, heck, you got KJ Hamler who runs a 4-2-9. He can run under some of those as well, too, if he can get healthy. So definitely curious to see how that one plays out, and those should be some exciting AFC West matchups next year. Can't wait to see that. But oh, yeah. moving on to the third big quarterback move so far, maybe not the last, and it's kind of the, the, weird, the, the lesser of these three as well, too. Carson Wentz is leaving Indianapolis after roughly one year and heading back to the NFC East to join – the commanders of Washington as well, too. A couple of third round picks, and they so they traded two third round picks, one that could be can that could be a second if Carson plays a certain amount of snaps, and then they swapped second round picks this year with the Colts. So I'm gonna start with you on this one as well, too. What what are your thoughts on seeing the Colts get out from underneath Carson and get the Washington Commanders to take his entire salary on top of it? That's the part I love. While keeping your first round pick, which is at number eleven on top of that. But yeah, so the first of all, let's start with the Colts and the salary. Because the Colts already had a huge salary cap opening. They just freed up $78 million over the next three seasons to not have to pay anymore. They're going to have $70 million entering free agency this year, which is by far the most. Yeah, I, this is this is not fair. <laughs> if <laughs> I'm sorry, but if anybody had hit free agency that was a court, like if A-Rod had hit free agency, I'm sorry, you take $50 million and you just go say, sir, <laughs> sign here and he's all right yeah let's let's, let's go like 50 million dollars guaranteed here you go and then you still have 20 million to play with and do your cap gymnastics at that point in time indianapolis is set up so well despite their poor finish to last season and colts fans should be super excited to get out from underneath carson i i have nothing against carson i think carson was a very good prospect i think he then just got something happened mentally and you kind of like sam darnold you start seeing ghosts and especially after all the injuries, all the pain, and all the we saw it with Andrew Luck, you just cannot perform it the same way you used to be able to. And you saw a lot of that last year with these weird picks that he threw that were just like they were never throws; they were literally just like flicks. And yeah, like and they ended up picks, or he always overthrows that one guy mid range to seal the game. You know, and, and those are passes he made in his career. But getting out from underneath that shadow is is something that they that. that I think both Indy needed to do and Carson needed to do. I like. I think Carson's now at that point in his career, and I hate to say it because he's had such a promising start to it. I think the injuries and everything to, are, are starting to take a toll, and he's going to kind of work his way into the background very soon. And he's, and it's sad to say that because he's a guy that I do think could have been good. He's a more injury prone and less elusive Russell Wilson. Everything we said about him too. He can't. He just struggles to take the check down. He's a big play quarterback, which in some offenses that is great. I mean, that Eagles offense during those magical runs, he was really a good fit for. If he went to Tampa Bay, which is where I thought if he did lose him, that'd be a good fit for him. Where you could just Mike Evans up there somewhere, Chris Godwin out there somewhere, Washington Terry McLaurin might be out there somewhere, Curtis Samuel might be out there somewhere. So it might work there better. But with the way Indy was built, with all the, with the running game, the offensive line, the Less than spectacular weapons, more mid-range weapons. You can't miss those. You can't be as greedy. You have to be, you have to be a checkdown Charlie with the occasional bomb here and there as well too. And he just couldn't quite get that as well too. He's never been that type of quarterback and has always struggled with that. I think down the stretch as well too is poor play. And we talk about seven picks he threw the season, like twenty-seven and seven. The numbers look good, but their best games of the season, their best wins. You beat the Bills. He threw for a hundred yards and I, I had one touchdown pass to Jonathan Taylor against the Patriots. Your other second biggest win. 
he was five of 12 for less than 100 yards and a pick. He had that one sick throw against Arizona and that when everybody was injured and Arizona's plummeting. And it's really about it. Like the rest of their big time wins, it's been mostly because Jonathan Taylor went absolutely ballistic or the defense went complete lockdown. His his best games really were in against eh, competition, I guess, if that makes sense. Like they they won regardless of him, I guess, as well. And I think that was what's, when they needed him to win against down the stretch, he wasn't able to make those plays for him because he can't keep an offense on schedule very well. It's a hindrance to him. He'll, he can win you a game just when he's going bombs away and everything's clicking, but he can't keep you on schedule and he will lose you some games, especially with those fumbles. I don't know how he fumbles so much. He has Goliath hands and the ball always pops out, but I think Carson can do better with Washington than Indianapolis. Honestly, he's the first quarterback in commander's history. So I'm curious to see how he pulls that off as well too. And he gets to play not only the Eagles twice now, he also gets to play the Colts next year. So either we'll see a Carson Wentz revenge tour or the, we were right. And we'll see how that plays out as well too. And, before we jump into the next part of our NFL thing as well, well too. I just I just want to go back to one thing you mentioned with Carson and and it's you know he he looked promising, he looked good, all that stuff. But in the Colts offense, let's be completely honest about it. They start it, end it with Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. It is RTDB every down if you can do it. If it keeps you ahead of the chains, and I'm sorry, but Carson is not a quarterback meant to just hand the ball off. He is, he is, as you mentioned, he's a big play quarterback. His mentality is to not just hand the ball off or dunk it over. And just a simple, I, I mean, any, just a play, like a, just a game manager is successful in Indianapolis to the point where they make the playoffs. Like, you know, it's Indianapolis is built to run the ball. And that's just, that was the biggest issue. It's kind of like what I, we relate back to Odell and, and Cleveland. When you look back at it, you're like, well, okay, yeah, we can see that wasn't a fit. Like, it could have been, but that's just not in Carson's DNA. It could have been a fit for Odell in, in, in Cleveland, but that's not in Odell's DNA. Like, they can't become those type of players because that's not who they were meant to be. Exactly, as well, too, which kind of bring, leads into what I was going to mention next, too, is that leaves a giant hole in Indianapolis, the quarterback spot as well, too, right now. You don't have a first-round pick either, but the big-name the big big name quarterbacks the offseason are kind of taken care of, so... I'll go to you. Uh, what what are you thinking? What should the what do you think the Colts are looking at as far as quarterback goes right now? So either they pull some crazy gymnastics and get a first round pick, which is not in their DNA whatsoever, because they love second rounders, um, as they've proven with Quentin Nelson being well, probably one of the most successful second rounders out there. Quentin Nelson was a first rounder. Sorry, Quentin Qu- Nelson, you're right. Uh, you're thinking Darius Biden. Leonard, Braden yeah, Smith, Darius- and everybody else who's good. Jonathan Taylor, I everybody one, else. I choose the one first rounder <laughs> on the team. My like, t- him and Ty are the only ones that I chose. But yeah, so that that just bothers me. Anyway, yeah, so they're not meant to pick in the first round. But if they do, well, then don't be surprised if they go get somebody like, I could honestly see them going Kenny Pickett, to be completely fair, just because he could throw it up there 50 yards, but he can also, as he proved in Pitt a lot, he could check it down. But I also wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if maybe they do go in, into free agency, maybe get a Mitchell Trubisky, but I, I still think he ends up a giant. Uh, maybe they need to get a Daniel Jones once Mitch Trubisky ends up a giant, but I don't think that happens either. I really wouldn't be surprised if they go in the draft and look at if Desmond Ritter falls to that second round pick now where they have Washington's pick at, at whatever, it's like ninth pick in the second round or 10th pick in the second round, something like that. Or if he doesn't fall, I look at somebody like Bailey Zappi or, I mean, I'm just going to stick with Bailey Zappi because I think he is a functional quarterback for that system and he could play well but i wouldn't be surprised to see sam elger take the majority of the first snaps but bailey zappy be that guy that kind of takes over down the road and he could be a pick that you get in the fourth round 
and you pick in a thin quarterback draft class, you get a fourth round quarterback that all of a sudden leads your team to the playoffs and that can make the throws that you need to make the throws because he's done it at two stops along his university journey. So it's not just been one. And that's worth worth mentioning that Bailey Zappi could be the guy that kind of surprises some people that might get taken here for Indianapolis now that they have an opening at this quarterback spot. Very interesting. So I, thought, I like the Desmond Ritter pick, especially does it slip to the second round. I think if Kenny Pickett starts slipping in the first round, I think you can see them finding a way to trade back into the back half of the first round maybe since you have the extra picks. The, there's Carson Strong, but they might be not wanting to even t- test any sort of Carsons right now as well too. That's another quarterback <laughs> who's out there on the board. Look at the free agency, Mark. You mentioned Trubisky is an option. I don't think Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater is out of the realm of possibility. You talked about a guy just managed the offense, check it down, use him as a, I don't want to say a placeholder because they've had a bunch of placeholders, but maybe he's a guy you could put in there for Sam, before Sam Ellinger goes. Or maybe they kick the tires on Green Bay and be like, what do you want for Jordan Love? Maybe they're just like, you're Jordan. I mean, Jordan Love's got a rookie contract is going to be up before Aaron Rodgers' contract is up. Maybe you kick the tires on that and be like, Want to take one of these twos we just got or take a three or something like that? Maybe they could maybe they pull him in and have him compete for the job as well, too. And then Jameis Winston is still sitting out there that not a lot of people have met, mentioned a lot. I know he's coming off the ACL, but the way ACL injuries are handled back, you might get him in by like week three or something like that. And he played pretty well with New Orleans. So I'm not saying that it's likely, but it's not outside the realm of possibility looking at as well because his name has not been mentioned a whole lot out there. I don't hate the Jameis thing. And look, as silly as some of the workouts that he posts on Instagram are, that's kind of what you get with Jameis. Jameis honestly, let's be honest. Like, they're not the weirdest workouts I've ever seen in my life. But they're actually somewhat, as weird as it is, they're somewhat functional when you consider he can't stand up on one <laughs> leg. Like, it's as functional as you can get while not being able to stand up. So, I, I mean, I don't hate the Jameis pick at all. I think that's a good one. And you'll get him for cheap because he's coming off the injury and stuff too, which means you have all that money. You can go maybe throw it at a couple of other guys. Like there's some other guys we'll talk about in just one second about, about to hit free agency too. You could throw a lot of money at. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think you're exactly right. I think, but I do think I do. I'm interested about your Jordan love conversation because we did just talk about Jordan love. What is his next step? Is he going to get moved? And I, I, I just kind of want to dive into this real fast before going to who's going to be a free agent. Is Jordan love going to be moved now? Or are they just going to bite the bullet and accept that he's their backup for, for the next 40 or like, well, I guess what it's two years left on his contract. Exactly. I mean, cause you got him in 2020. So you've already ran through two years. I'm sitting on the bench. You do have the fifth year option. Cause he's a first round pick. So you got three more years that Aaron Rodgers is signed for four. Like at this point, I know they like to keep their quarterbacks around, kind of develop them. I think they had in mind, if Aaron Rodgers is leaving, this is a perfect scenario, but Aaron Rodgers kind of won up to you in that regard too, by re-signing and playing at an MVP caliber level the last two years. Yeah. So I think he'd, it's kind of like when the Patriots grabbed Garoppolo just a little bit too early. They were trying to have the contingency plan really smart, but they just did a little too early. At this point, you might as well cut bait with him. Like, all right, we don't have a lot of money to spend now. We got to draft these players. Maybe you toss them to Indy for one of those third round, maybe a couple of those third round picks or something like that, or a third and a fifth, or that third that could switch to a two if Jordan Love plays the whole season. I don't know. They can. I'm pretty sure you could work something out at this point. There was word that Chris Ballard actually really liked Jordan Love too, so. You never know there as well. So I don't hate that pick. Their exact words when their offseason was is we are looking, we are tired of the rotating carousel quarterback. We need somebody that can be like a an actual long-term answer. He kind of fits for you right there. He's a young kid. You give him a couple years to develop. Who knows? Uh, uh, you get a fifth-year option with him, and you don't have to pay him anything. Because and you've already re-signed all your key players, minus Quentin Nelson, like Darius Leonard, all of them have been re-signed. You still have a pile of money. I don't know. There, there is options there as well, too. I think. Yeah. The only other options are like Jimmy Garoppolo, but what do you have to give up for him? And is it really worth giving up at this point too? So, I mean, I guess you could trade him for money 
do the old soccer trade and just you know do a transfer for for money like i'm sure san francisco would be okay with that if they'll um, allow that yeah here's a washing machine with 10 million dollars and it's your salary cap yeah no i i think i think it's it's interesting to look at and there's not a lot of like it feels like there's not a lot of viability at that quarterback spot outside of what's already gone i mean it's a lot of unknowns you're looking at with guys like it's it's a bunch of young guys but now i, I do kind of want to go back to jordan love and the development in, in green bay it's interesting because it was what five years for Aaron Rodgers before he uh, got four. four years before he yeah. got to start. Are we seeing similar with Jordan Love here? Like four years, they put the fifth year, uh, you know, team option on him, and and he's you know in that in that team option season, he's when he finally starts. Like, could we could that be the case? If I'm not mistaken, as well too, because Aaron Rodgers has four more years, and Jordan Love has three more. If you get that third year option, that's why I'm like, it doesn't quite line up. You'd have to cut Aaron Rodgers, like you'd have to cut Bay with Aaron well, Rodgers. I'm thinking if Aaron's, we're assuming Aaron retires as, as a Packer. So what if he wins a champ, or not even wins a championship? He hits forty, and then he's like, all right, I'm done. That leaves two yeah. years left on his contract. That's one year on 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 Jordan Love. Yeah, if he does that as well too. The question is, does Aaron Rodgers do that? Does Does Aaron Rodgers stick around the whole four years? That is that is where it gets interesting as well too. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they look into moving him as well, too. It couldn't hurt at this point. Is trying to load up on what you can with young, cheap pieces in the draft to put around him because you can't sign anybody as well, too. But real quickly, we mentioned the free agents as well, too. A couple of big names expected at the market. Bobby Wagner just got released as well, too. It's the end of an era in Seattle on both sides of the ball. Teron Armstead, the left tackle from the Saints, a stalwart expected to hit. Amari Cooper from the Cowboys, word is he's going to be traded or released as well, too. And amongst others, we saw the franchise tags, Go out for Chris Godwin, David Njoku, and a few others. Mike Williams re-signed with the Chargers. Looking at all these moves that are happening right now, what's one that kind of surprised you, and what's one that one of those guys that's expected at free agency that stands out to you? I think the Amari being released and then the tagging of Dalton Schultz for Dallas. I think that one really confused me because you're overpaying for Dalton Schultz now with that franchise tag, and you're releasing Amari or trading Amari for what? And, and you're re-signing Noah Brown. Um, you just freed up twenty million, and 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 where are you going to do with that? If you pay Zeke, that's dumb. Like you've seen the decline of Zeke. Running backs in the league, you've seen the decline of that. So if you pay Zeke, when you have Tony Pollard who's providing just as much production for a tenth of the price, why? <laughs> why are we doing this when you have Amari who is, even when he's not getting the ball thrown to him still a top 10 receiver in the league when uh, like just give him a chance uh, i mean if he's healthy he's top 10 receiver in the league he just gets open that way it's maybe not to statistically be top 10 but he just gets open like he's a top 10 receiver um and and so that one shocks me the only other one i'd look at is david and joku and for no other reason than i think he got screwed out of a big payday i think he had a chance to get a big payday somewhere else all of his teammate austin hooper when he left Atlanta, I think David Njoku was set to get a big payday as a tight end there. Instead, now they're paying him $11 million, I believe, something like that for the franchise tag. That's definitely interesting as well, too. I think, luckily for him, though, that's a very tight end heavy offense, so maybe he'll put up numbers again and get a big deal next year as they can move off of that Austin Hooper deal as well, too, because that one is not quite panned out the way they'd hoped it yeah, as well. So maybe, so maybe somehow it works out that way so he gets, like, too many big deals, and then Harrison Bryant gets into the mix as well, too. I mean, they run up. It's a tight end heavy offense, and maybe that works out. I agree with you. Amari's a big one. Like there are if the Cowboys really do have just release him at this point to save the cap space because you can't do anything with Zeke's contract. Zeke's contract has you by the you know what's Dak's contract has you by the you know what's. You're keeping Dalton Schultz and sacrificing Amari. 
there's a lot of teams that are going to be looking for his services. We mentioned the Colts with all their money. They should be like, here is a blank check, sir. Hopefully nothing over 20, something yeah. along those lines. There are plenty of other teams that would love his services. I look at Teron Armstead, a stalwart left tackle, getting a little older. Can only probably sign him to like a three-year deal, but a guy who can, whatever team needs him, put him on the blind side, lock down. You're feeling real comfortable real quickly as well, too. And then Bobby Wagner as well, too. I mean, he's still, he's not quite Bobby Wagner of three years ago, but he's still a Pro Bowl linebacker, still one of the best in the game. Whoever takes him, you're still going to get an absolutely outstanding defense, leader of your defense as well, too. And he's another one you could find just about any single team in the league. Like, I have to imagine this release was kind of a, Bobby, we're about to be an absolute mess. So we're going to let you go out there and see if you can get another another Super Bowl for you as well, too, because this is going to get real messy here. We might even send off Tyler Lockett here soon at this rate. Yeah, look, Bobby. Bobby's a guy I want to get on the podcast some point in time. I'm I'm still <laughs> hoping we can get him on here, but uh, he, I hope to goodness that that is what it is. That Seattle's front office is like, look, we're we're not going to be good. <laughs> Granted, I do think they have an opportunity to be good, but if they give Drew Lock an opportunity because he has a whole bunch of a lot of fun weapons out there, and now add Noah Fant to the mix. Anyways, I digress. What Bobby Wagner gives any team that he he goes to, and maybe he does resign and just resigns for a much cheaper deal with Seattle. That's a possibility in here as well. Uh, but whatever team he goes to, they, he does provide them the option of a guy who has, has improved his pass rushing ability, but he is still a great coverage linebacker. He is not top five. Well, I'd say top three anymore, but you still make an argument. He's in that five to seven range for linebackers right now. And he's still a tackling machine as well. Too. Yeah. So give an opportunity. And, and I do like, you know, Taron Armstead. Yeah. I don't know how, I don't know how much longer he's going to be kicking around, but man, he is still a quality left tackle. Absolutely as well too. So we're, that's, we'll have a lot to look forward to in NFL free agency, but that wasn't the only NFL thing we had. We had, there's the NFL combine taking place, something we got to see one of the days up close and in personal as well too, for the defensive linemen and linebackers as well too. And honestly, I'm just going to summarize this quickly. What are they feeding those kids in Georgia? And can I get some of that? Cause my goodness, it felt like every single Georgia player absolutely dominated. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I I I, re- I feel like I, tre- I I reached with a couple of my picks in, in that in the mock draft. I, I don't feel that way anymore about any of the Georgia players. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't even see Nicobe Dean run, and based off of what we saw everybody else run, if that man doesn't run a four four, I will be disappointed. You, because I, think I said he could it, run a four three nine, like a high four threes. So based on the way Jordan Davis was running, I can see Nicobe Dean cracking like a four three eight. You know, I was, it was funny. I, I went to a chiropractor after we got back and. I talked to the chiropractor about Jordan Davis, and he's like, physically speaking, there's no way that man should be able to move that agile and that quickly at his size. 6'7", 341 pounds listed is what he weighed in at. Runs a 4'7", is insane. And not necessarily, his 10-yard his shuttle, insane. His agility drills, what are you feeling? Like, that's not fair, man. He hits a spin move on the straight line drills like it's just nothing to him. I'm like, it was, I felt embarrassed to ever have called myself one time an athlete at that point in time, watching this huge monolith of a man do what he did. Like, I'm, I can never consider my, I feel like I can never consider myself an athlete anymore after watching that. He was Don Terry Poe's combine with, but with the tape to back up all of it as well, too, on top of it as well, too. Like, he, honestly, he feels like Vita Vea 2.0, that's a little more physically gifted on top of that as well, too. Yeah. We all know how freakish Vita Vea is. So I think, He's, I think if his stock didn't go up, the teams should start looking at him as well, too. Like those top 15 teams should be like, oh, well, he's pretty good. It should be like, no, thank goodness he's here. We want him. Like if he yeah. starts to slip because he's the big defensive tackle, someone should jump on that. Chargers yeah. looking at you. If he's there for you, the Chargers, you get for Jordan Davis to sprint that card up there himself with how fast he runs now. And and you know what? Chargers, if he's not there, 
don't be scared to take Devontae Wyatt either. He is just equally as good of a, of a, a defensive tackle as we just learned. They ran the exact same 40 tower. Maybe it was a, a .01 apart. Close enough, yeah. They, I mean, they equally are as good as each other at defensive tackle. And, and here's the embarrassment for, for Georgia. You're an embarrassment of wealth right there. And, like, defensive tackle, defensive end, defensive line, linebacker, edge rushers. I mean, we went on Saturday, and it was just all Georgia players that we just watched light it up. We forgot there was a couple guys for Georgia in that uh, performance in the cornerbacks. And we're like watching them sit here and run the top, top, top times for corners as well. Not the top, top time, but hmm. top times for a corner. And it's just like, this is, this is ridiculous. The embarrassment of wealth that came out of Kirby Smart's defense is, is insane. You gotta, you gotta give him the credit for that. And I do want to reach out of Georgia for just a second though. Shout out Nick Benito, who in his own, in and of himself, he had a fantastic day as well in the combine on Saturday. He was, he looked very, very good all around. And, and that was surprising. Kayvon Thibodeau, not not the most overwhelming performance, I don't think. I don't think he solidified himself as that number one edge. I think he's still 1A, 1B, whichever way you choose with Aiden Hutchinson. They both did a really good job. But actually, out of that edge rush class, I like the kid from Virginia Tech, Barno, that 440, I, I'm sorry, nah. I'm not running away from that man ever. Like I will lay on the ground like Steph Curry did when Giannis dunked on him. Like hmm. that'll be me if I see that man across the line for me because I'm not going to be able to block him. Like four three as a 280 pound man. Nah. Uh, he's he's going to run around. Like you got to find a way to engage him. Otherwise, if it's a foot race, it's over at that point. I also want to mention Trayvon Walker going back to the George Hill too. Running a four five as an edge on top as well too, putting <laughs> himself into that first round mix as well. And this was kind of an interesting combine because when I look back on it. I don't think really anybody hurt themselves. The closest might be Kenny Pickett with his baby hands, which the yeah. like he did, but we'll see as well too. Maybe once they same throw at the pro day, <laughs> he's they'll still get a first rounder. Like yeah, almost guaranteed. Maybe George Karloff is just a little bit because he didn't look, he didn't have the greatest of day, but he's still a first rounder as well too. He just might not be top ten. Maybe now he's top seventeen, something like that. He's still a fantastic prospect. Sauce Gardner ran a four five, which was pretty good considering he's a long rangey physical corner. No one expected him to run a four four or anything like that. Like nobody really let themselves down. It felt like like nobody really let down overall. Yeah, I, I think Devin Lloyd might be the only one. That's actually that's of, a good one. I retract that. I forgot about Devin Lloyd. He's might be the only one. And and honestly, he, I don't think it was as bad as people are making out to be. You it doesn't help f- that he ran it the same day as Jordan Davis, and they ran yeah. almost an identical forty. I think that's what kills him. And he did it at nine o'clock at night. Like, that's a rough time. Like, I'm sorry, I, I'm not playing. I'm not used to playing playing a sport or starting a sport at nine p.m. at night. <laughs> that's not when I'm used to starting my forty. You know, that's just that's rough on somebody. And and you know, I don't know. Uh, you're built to start at seven, and that's all I'm gonna say about it. Like, that's that's when you're built to start a game is at seven p.m. Um, and and you're not built to start two hours later. So. I don't. I don't think it's bad. I think well, if it if it's the same at his pro day, there's a little bit of worry. I think he's got to at least be above a four six to help him out, like a four five seven, a four five eight, something like that. I think we'll get him kind of back into that teens range. But I think if he runs slower than a four six, that is going to hurt. Considering he is known as an athletic, rangy coverage linebacker, that you can almost that it's like a, a big safety. I think that's what will kind of hurt him as well. Wherever he goes, someone's gonna. I think he's gonna be really fine on the field. I'm just thinking as far as where his draft stock goes as well too. And when we talked, we talked about the quarterbacks as well too. Malik Willis put on a little bit of a mini show there, showing off the arm strength, the intangibles, all those things. I think he propelled himself into possibly with QB1 taken as well, too, with the performance he put on. Yeah, I I don't think he's going to drop to the Steelers anymore. Um, I had, uh, you know what? First of all, there was the the day before 
when he helped a homeless man out in Indianapolis with his own clothes, gave him his own clothes. That started it all. And then his performance on the field during the Combine, and then the release of the much antiquated Wonderlick test, where he reportedly scored a 36, which is by far the highest we've had in recent years. Um, so, yeah, let's just say Malik Willis, good job. He uh, he might be moving himself into a really nice position there. I, I, maybe the Lions consider taking him there as well, too, as a guy for the future. I mean, that's a, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I don't think he's – look, I, I mean, I don't think he's going to be a number one pick, but I've been surprised before. Let's just put it that way. There's more need there at one, but I, you know what? I, it wouldn't be the worst thing I've ever seen. Wouldn't be surprising, man. Unless maybe Jacksonville decides to go goofy and take him number one overall. Like, you know what, Trevor Lawrence, this experience was fun, but we want Malik Wills now. I mean, we've seen Arizona do it with Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray. So maybe we see something real goofy. And it's Jacksonville, so you can't you can't fully rule it out. Well, I'm, I thinking they, it. I'm thinking they trade back. Maybe get, get, a, get a maybe Philadelphia trades up to number one and takes Malik that or would, something. Who knows? That, that would make sense. Can. But, I mean, at the same time, we've seen a lot of things that don't make dollars and don't make sense necessarily as well, too. And uh, we have to talk about the receivers as well, too. Chris Olave with, I know it wasn't official, running that 4-2-9, I think it was, or 4-2-6, absolutely terrorizing the track. Granted, they did him dirty and remade it officially a 4-3-8, so he didn't, which he didn't get a chance to run against it. He was told it was a 4-2-6. He was done with that. I think, in my humble opinion, we already both had him as receiver one. I think that, for me, that was the stamp on it as well, too. Whether it was the 4-3-9 or the 4-2-9, whatever you want to give him as well, too. He ran sub 4-4. He was stamped in number one for me because speed was like, the fourth or fifth thing on his attribute charts that stands out to like his fourth or fifth best skill. And you make him one of the fastest in the draft on top of that cute receiver. One should be a top 10 pick probably will slip because everyone else, everyone's has their preferences, but I think he's receiver one locked and loaded. Yeah. And he didn't drop a ball by the way, during, during the day. Um, so that's worth mentioning as well. Yeah. My one, my one thing is he, you know, he's speed wise. It was always like, well, he's not as fast as the other guy. I'm sorry. You run a four two nine, even if it's unofficial, I don't care. Hmm. You, you know what yeah you unofficial to me is more realistic because that's what you're going to be giving me on the field like it may have started late maybe the clock started late but that's fine because i'm going to be seeing him in a upright stance one step further than when he started his 40 which gives me more of a thought of a 429 for his running style and if the, he's running a 429 and he's the slow top receiver not ne- right next to drake london I, 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 yeah, number one receiver. My card is in. Thank you very much. You'll be li- you'll be lining up as my number two receiver on day one. And we we talked a lot about how the Georgia guys lit it up too. How about the Baylor guys? You have the fastest DB with who also had the second fastest forty of all time at the combine at four two three, and a receiver who unofficially was at like a four two one at four two two as well, but then got officially at like a four two eight or something like that. I think they. They did him a little bit dirty there as well too, but these those Baylor corner and receiver as well too, but outside players lighting it up on the track as well too. So just wanted to point out some school dynamics there as well too. So my last my last question for you before we head into our fi- our final segment as well too. After the combine as well, how much would you change? How much would you change uh, the? Would you change your mock draft now after that? Would you see, would you see any, a whole lot of movement there, or do you think it'd probably stay a little bit the same as of right now? Malik Willis is my big change. Um, I think I flip him with Kenny Pickett. Uh, other than that, I think I think I, I actually really like a lot of my list. Um, maybe Kenyon Green doesn't go as high. Um, that'd be it. That'd be the other one. But Trevor Penning still looked good. Um, Ryman looked good. 
you know, outside of the kid from Boston College who I left off, who might be the guy that replaces Kenyon Green as the guard, the first guard go off in my eyes, um, just because he had a fantastic combine. So other than that, I think Malik Willis is probably my big mover just because of how good he is, how good he was during the combine and how good everything else came out. You know, it's not just a one-sided thing with him. So he's my big mover. But other than that, I like a lot of what else, what else I saw. Absolutely. The only one for me is I think I might slide Kenyon Green out as well to maybe some of the linemen I forced in there. And I might get Trayvon Walker just to find his way in there, kind of like how Adolfe Owe did last year as well, too. So I think I, there'd be I a little him. Uh, just a little bit of movement like that. I still feel pretty decent about keeping Devin Lloyd out just because I think he's going to slip and be that early second round pick where everyone, whoever gets him is literally going shaking their hands, kind of like what you saw with Jeremiah Wusukormo last year, Darius Leonard in a couple years ago. Just a guy that's first round caliber, but just for whatever reason slips. So you end up with two first round picks, basically, is how it ends up working out as well, too. So definitely feel yeah. good about him. Oh, so that's yeah. going to take us to Kelsey's favorite part of every broadcast, every live cast as well, too. That is Crunch Time. And Crunch Time, of course, brought to you by Swift Lifestyles, the premier gamer feel out there. It's like pre-workout, both out all the itches and jitters. And Kelsey, you this is your favorite segment, so I'm gonna let you take it away. So you got something fun. Yeah, so we got a giveaway going on through Belly Up right now, and I'm gonna pop it right here on the screen. You can see it right here. We talked about Javante Williams a little bit ago. We're giving away Javante Williams jersey. And in order to get entered for this, guys, you got to head on over to Twitter. Or it is also on Instagram, by the way. But here's what you got to do. You got to be following Belly Up Sports on Twitter or Instagram if you're on Instagram. You have to retweet it or share it to your story. And then you must be registered on at Pristine Auctions website. At Pristine Auction. www.pristineauctions.com slash register. Registration code BELLY at sign up for $10 off first purchase, if that's if you guys purchase anything. But just get signed up for it. And that way, you'll be able to get a chance to get your signed Javante Jer- Williams jersey. I'm not even a Broncos fan, but I may or may not be signed up as well, too. So definitely, you, you might want to get out there. I mean, look, I have two jerseys. I might as well mm-hmm. add a big signed jersey right in that blank space behind my head. You might as well as right now. Just keep the running back train going behind you as well, too. But that will do it for us. For DJ, as always, joined by Kelsey for the High Low Sports Podcast. We will see you guys next time. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.